And this is where I think my historical research and the stuff I've been working on for decades comes uh, comes to bear because if you look at American history, you find out that supporting independent journalism was job one for the founders of this country. It's hard to exaggerate how much emphasis they put on the need to have well-funded uh, local newspapers for the whole system to survive. Uh, they, they had no one even thought in terms of like people just making money would be sufficient to generate the newspapers we needed. Uh, it was an obsession with Madison and Jefferson and Washington, all of them across the board. Uh, and they argued and they put into place that we needed to have a massive subsidy uh, of local newspapers so they would exist in the first place. And what they did is they created the United States Post Office. And the main job of the U.S. Post Office into the end of the 19th century was to distribute newspapers. Uh, over 70% of the, of the traffic and 95% of the weighted traffic at the post office was newspapers. Basically, newspapers were delivered virtually for free. Uh, so you didn't have to worry about your distribution or circulation costs if you published a newspaper. The, the government covered that for you. Uh, and if you were in a major city like a Boston or New York, the, news, the post office would deliver newspapers two or three times a day, seven days a week, or six days at least. I mean, that was their job. That was the whole function of the, the post office was to distribute newspapers, most of its function. That's why it was put in place. <clears throat> and that's why when the uh, United States President of Washington first convened the first government, uh, Thomas Jefferson and James Madison went to talk to him uh, at his home and suggested they make Thomas Paine the first postmaster general, because Thomas Paine, the great pamphleteer, advocate of participatory democracy, would set the tone for exactly the sort of information that the society needed if democracy would succeed. So we have this great tradition. When advertising came along and newspaper publishing became wildly profitable, uh, largely monopoly form in the 20th century in city after city around the country, uh, the need for having postage uh, subsidies declined. Very few newspapers were distributed by the mails. And people forgot all about this incredible history. But now right. that we've lost the advertising dollars, it's time to say, okay, let's look back at this history. Maybe they knew something we can learn from. And uh, John and I argue in this space, we can learn a lot from what they did. Now, given that, that what would happen with your proposal? Uh, we'd come to a vote right, in, in communities across America. Well, let me first say, I'm an open-minded person, John is too. If Once we agree that you need public money, that there will be, that's how it's gotta be supported, then the question is how do you, um, how much do you need? How do you distribute it? How, who controls it? What role does the government play? There's a whole bunch of questions that have to be answered. <clears throat> and we're open-minded to other suggestions. And okay. I think we should have a debate over the best way to do it. I've studied all of them. I've read all of them. And John and I think uh, when you actually get down to it, we're going to be serious about it. Uh, the, the Local Journalism Initiative is a plan that would actually work if we did it. None of the, and it would actually solve the problem with sufficient funds. The other plans we've seen uh, just seemed like they still had a lot of stuff to iron out. Not that the Local Journalism Initiative is perfect. Far from it. Uh, it can clearly be improved. And if we have any practice with it or experience problems will emerge that will have to be addressed. But uh, th this is a contribution to getting people to think that, yeah, there is a way to solve the problem. It, it's fascinating to me that uh, this this is being proposed because, you know, we've seen it, the, the, the media, I guess the journalism media, decline so rapidly. 
uh, and I'm sure you, I think you allude to it in the in the article. The pandemic certainly uh, greased the wheels mm. of of decline because advertising was gone. I mean, what little it was, you didn't get even get that. So, how do you rebuild people's sort of awareness for this program? Well, you can you get on shows like this. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, unfortunately, that's been the problem. That I don't. There have been very few people who've read the piece that you you've mentioned or who have uh, talked with me or John or a handful of other people who haven't said, yeah, this is the way to go. Um, there's several people who say, knee-jerk, I don't want the government to have anything to do with it. But then when they actually look at American history and look at other democracies around the world, they realize that's a pretty ridiculous position. It doesn't hold up to any uh, honest analysis. I mean, if you can hold that position, but then you might as well just say you're not in favor of having democracy. Because if you don't have that position, you can't have a democracy from what we can see. Uh, so I would say the problem has been that there's difficult to raise an issue where it seems abstract to people. Um, they seem like they're flooded with information between Twitter and uh, Facebook and social media, the, you know, Reddit. They've got everything they need of just if they go to a certain website or a certain uh, app. Uh, but I think when you blow smoke away and look at what they're actually getting, how much reporting is going on, how accountable the reporting is, uh, you realize that most of what's coming out is not of great value and it could actually be quite damaging and that there are huge parts of, Ameri of social life in this country, in the world, in local communities that never gets reported on anymore. And this isn't just, you know, people say, well, I'm really smart. I, I go to the best Facebook page and I like, I know which Twitter people to follow. Um, I would simply say that if you just look at simple things about who's your representative, when's an election going to be, uh, you know, what are people in your community doing? Most people today are clueless, and I'm one of them, even compared to what I was 20, 30, 40 years ago when I had a daily newspaper or two to pick mm -hmm. up every day and read, which I no longer have. You mentioned, we're talking with Bob McChesney, a professor emeritus at the University of Illinois, an author of many books on the media. <clears throat> now, what about the universities, the colleges of, of this country? I would think they would be a collective force to at least get the word out because, A, they would stand to gain because I assume they have journalism majors or the communications people. Um, also, they're, they're you know part of the community uh, in these areas. Is that is that a possible uh, linchpin in this thing? Yeah, if they don't get involved in this and embrace it, it doesn't have a snowball's chance of ever getting anywhere. Uh, the reason why John and I haven't done a lot of outreach so far uh, out publicly and tried to push it publicly is that our hope is that we can get some sort of legislation drafted uh, that people can sink their teeth into and then have something to do. It's very mm -hmm. frustrating to get people excited and they say, well, what can I do? You say <laughs> nothing. You want to be able to say, yeah, contact your representative or the group you're involved with and tell them about this legislation or this hearing, something tangible that people can work off of. And we don't have that now. Yeah, And that, that's the reason why we haven't approached the uh, journalism schools. But absolutely, if you read, I guess, you know, you asked for this, I should probably back up now. People are probably saying, what on earth are you talking about? What we mean by the local journalism initiative is that every year the federal government would set aside 
um, a certain percentage of the GDP, and it would go to local communities for their journalism. We put it at roughly one uh, or one and a one half percent of GDP, uh, roughly 30 billion, 40 billion dollars a year. And by our calculation, that would be able to give pretty much every community in the country competing independent news media. Um, you know, we think we've got to get away from the idea that one newspaper is satisfactory for a community. In the great glory days of the American press in the 19th century, it wasn't uncommon in a city like Chicago to have 15 or 20 newspapers. Even smaller cities, but major cities like Indianapolis would have 8, 10, 12 daily newspapers. We don't necessarily have to have that many again, but the day of just, just having one newspaper, news medium in the community has got to be over. We need several competing uh, news entities, and that's what this project gives us. The money is distributed by election every three years. People in the community vote for uh, whichever they get to pick up. They can pick three votes. So they get to pick three different uh, candidates in their county to be uh, news media. It's done at the county level. And um, the, anyone who gets at least one or two percent of the votes uh, qualifies for money. And you get the amount of money and percentage of the budget for your county that your vote gets you. Uh, there's other stuff, too. I won't go into details. So the whole idea is that these news media... Uh, will be fully independent. They will be nonprofit. They won't be connected to any other organization. The money goes entirely to doing journalism uh, at the local level. Uh, and there are elections to keep them accountable. And there's some oversight to prevent fraud, because anytime you have a program like this, you can imagine that every con artist and huckster in the country is going to want to sink their teeth into it. You got it. <clears throat> well, could, and I know this is just a proposal. And obviously, as you say, you're you're more than happy to have others weigh in on this. Would that allow schools, other entities like libraries to put in for this and say, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll work up a, a media or a, you know, a, a, some kind of a journalistic program. You know, it, that has to be fleshed out. But my feeling is that I Ideally, we, these would all be independent media. That doesn't okay. mean like um, a library system or a college or newspaper or school system couldn't help support people who are involved in it to do something. Uh, but the point is, I think we need media that's not a front group for anything, mm -hmm. for-profit or non-profit. The people who work there are working just on journalism for that medium. They, they're serving one master, that's the public. Yeah, and I think we uh, <clears throat> emphasize another thing you have here, Bob, and that's the idea of uh, national news, which is prevalent. And you flip on the TV or internet, and you get a lot of that. Now, we could argue about the quality and depth, but you're, you're making the point, and I think it's you know obvious when you get into it, that unless you have local news, <clears throat> that you don't have the national news, because... It's all based on building blocks, right? Yeah, when when the U.S. national news media was at its peak, and that would probably, in our lifetime, my lifetime, I, I can't speak for anyone else, probably not many listeners, but my lifetime, it was probably the 1960s or 1970s. Mm -hmm. uh, when it was at its peak, there were probably four or five dozen Washington offices of news media covering politics in, in the nation's capital. The overwhelming majority of them were connected to newspapers from around the country, the Chicago Tribune, the Des Moines Register, uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer, LA Times, Baltimore Sun. 
they all had bureaus in uh, Washington. Oftentimes, like in the case of uh, Des Moines or Louisville or Los Angeles, covering all the political issues that affected the main industry of that state. Uh, mm -hmm. So they would want to stay on top of it. And then the, what they would do in covering that was they'd be covering it for the whole country. Uh, and uh, But these were lots of news bureaus, not just the Washington Post and New York Times, uh, competing to get stories and do the job right and being called out if they blew a story. Uh, and when the local news media died, they all died with it. I mean, now we're we are down to a situation in the United States where our national news media probably has less diversity than the Soviet Union did, but it just had Pravda and Izvestia and TASS. I mean, there's, you know, we're down to just a couple of people who cover the news. You turn on MSNBC or CNN, and basically they just bring in reporters from those news media to talk about their stories. That's their yeah. idea of journalism. And it's not, you know, that it's such a dangerous thing because the diet of news we're getting is so much narrower, even if you get away from the quality of it. Uh, mm -hmm. Just look at the diet. I mean, there's virtually no international coverage whatsoever now. Right. Uh, to, give, to give an example, <laughs> Brazil, which is this incredibly important country at every level, uh, especially in the global environmental uh, work, but also in the campaign to maintain democracy and, and stop fascism, had a major presidential election a few weeks ago. And it got virtually no attention in the U.S. news media. Even if you turn on MSNBC or CNN, you know, if you went to the bathroom and came back once or twice, you'd miss any coverage they had. Mm -hmm. It simply was uncovered. And that's Brazil. Imagine what any other country. So basically, yeah. there's we're just at a point where even if you try to consume the news, you're just getting a sort of ridiculously superficial view. And therefore, it's mostly what people in power want you to know, because it's real easy to do journalism if you go to the State Department and say, hey, what do you guys think is important? And then that's what your, your sources are telling you and you cover that. And that's not really journalism. That's just stenography. Yeah. Now, you make a point in this uh, in, in your proposal that um, while it would be nice if people just said, oh, yeah, I'll take a look at that. Uh, time really is not on our side, is it? We, we got to move no. on this because because of pressing problems in this country. Yeah. And uh, that's why it, I'm glad to do this interview and why this has been very frustrating for those of us working on it, because. You know, it's really hard to see how much further we can go down the road of having information-free environments before there's uh, becomes irreversible. I'm not going to predict the future. I learned a long time ago that the only thing you can do when you try to predict the future is look like an idiot in the future. Mm -hmm. um, but it's you can look historically at the sort of situation we're in, and you can see this is not a tenable situation. Right. Uh, we're really uh, doing poorly. Uh, on addressing this issue, and it's getting worse. So I would, um, yeah, so there's a certain amount of urgency to it. But again, um, you know, there's just so much you can do. And there, I will say uh, that John and I have no folks in politics who really understand that this is a real problem, but they don't see it as urgent. They don't, they say, okay, let, let's put that on the list and we'll get to it next. Mm -hmm. down, down the road. But there's always something that jumps in front of it on the list. Uh, and oftentimes, really important issues. Don't get me wrong. Uh, it's hard to say this is more important than climate policy or racial justice or inequality. Uh, there's a lot of really important issues. What determines is a certain amount of abstract thinking to understand we're not going to be able to solve those other problems unless we have a journalism that brings people into the into the game. 
uh, and it makes them understand what's going on and be able to participate. Right, right. And that's that's sort of a big point uh, that unless unless we all kind of recognize the need for this information, and I think a lot of people do, but as you say, some just think, well, I've got this, I've got that, looking at social media. But that's really, maybe what's going on with Twitter is a good example. That can change overnight um, pretty rapidly. And and that's the world in which we live right now. Yeah, it's, it's true. You know, when we talk about journalism, but the dream scenario we would have is you're in uh, Peoria, is that right? Yeah. What's the what's county is Peoria in? Peoria County. Yeah. Okay, it's, what's the population of Peoria County? About 300,000. So... I'm roughly by the plan of we've laid out uh, annually Peoria County would get, um, you know, a few couple hundred million dollars uh, for its news media for a year. Do you think that that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so for that, conceivably, you could have um, three or four or five qualifying news media in the county. Uh, they couldn't accept advertising. This is the only money they get. But that's a lot of money. Uh, and then they would cover the community. Everything they would produce would be posted online for free. Uh, there'd be all sorts of stipulations of rent fraud. You have to do original content at least five times a week. It would all go to a central website where people could see all of it next to each other. And you could have your you'd have your own individual website as well. And uh, but it would be a way. So if you live in Peoria County, you go to the Peoria County webpage and you could see the four things every day, what their headlines were, what the news was. You click on them and go to the, any independent, any one of those websites for the independent medium and look just at that too. Uh, but you'd really have something to, to sink your teeth into. Each of those news media probably have, you know, there'd probably be uh, 50 full-time reporters on each of them. Imagine how well Peoria County would be covered then. How many reporters are covering Peoria County now? <clears throat> Well, that's a good question. A whole lot less than they used to be just a few years ago. Exactly. I mean, and and so many meetings go unreported now, uh, oh, you know, it, throughout the community. That's taking place everywhere. You know, one of the pieces of, of information in the paper that to me is the most compelling is we determined the amount of money that went to local newspapers as a percentage of the gross domestic product. Uh, so how much money did this country allocate to local journalism? Now, the money that daily newspapers receive doesn't all go to paper news. Some of it goes to pay for other expenses. Some of it goes as profits to shareholders. But whatever goes for news comes out of that revenue base, the money from advertising and circulation for local newspapers. And for much of American history, uh, daily newspapers accounted for 1% of GDP. That's a lot of, that's a huge amount, 1% mm -hmm. of GDP. Uh, you know, that would be, I don't know, uh, 20, you know, 30 or $40 billion dollars. Right. Uh, now, if not more, I, my math's not going to win any awards right now. Uh, a lot of money. Uh, and it started to decline a little bit in the 70s and 80s with media consolidation and the rise of TV news. And then in 2005 or so, with the rise of social media, it just collapsed. And so it went from 1% of GDP so that in 2020, the last year we have hard data for, it was down to eight-tenths of 1%. It fell like more than 10 times. From one wow. percent to eight tenths of one. I mean eight. I mean I'm using the <laughs> eight tenths of one. Uh, well, one tenth of what it was. Let's put it right. that way. And yeah. it barely exists, in other words. And it's only going to continue that way. The newest data hasn't come out yet, but I 
I, I'm fairly certain it's going to be just as appalling, if not much worse than everything we've seen. So more or less doesn't exist. But daily newspapers, local journalism was this huge industry, 1% of GDP. That's like the automobile industry. I mean, it was a huge part of American life. And anyone who's my age, I'm 69, but anyone who's over the age of 60 or 50 will remember growing up that daily oh, newspapers yeah. were, yeah. That, was, that was the defining feature of this country in many respects. Absolutely. And well, it's, it's so true. Well, Bob, we got to roll out of here, but let me ask you one last thing. Somebody wants to get more information about the local, uh, the local journalism initiative. Is it online? Where, where, where can one find it? It is um, at the free press website. Uh, and I don't have the exact link for it. you've got it. Actually, you have, yeah. if you could post it, I'll do that. Uh, Sure. And then people just go to where uh, Steve posted and look at it. And I'd welcome any feedback from people if they read.